In a dark corner of the world, three men will work together to bring you a podcast like no other. This is Fanatically Correct, where the fans, the geeks, and the nerds are always correct. With your host, MSK, Yo Peace, and Omega. All right, well, we're going to try something a little different tonight. MSK here, and I'm going to play for you an interview that Yopis and Omega conducted at the Sunrise City Comic Con with actor, voice actor, DC Douglas. That was awful. That was terrible. I'm sorry. Um, But you know what? Just sit back, relax, and listen. Please listen. Please listen. You're on the stage with me. I have, with experience in the entertainment industry, please don't feel old, of about over 35 years. Ah! It's a family-friendly event. Uh, Body of work spanning over 330 projects in voice acting, writing, sound, directing, producing, and more. I was going to list all of it. He's a a worker in the industry. You may have heard of him in such franchises, Mass Effect, uh, Star Trek. Actually, I know that episode well. Persona 5 and Sharknado. We at Fanatic Correct know him best as Albert Wesker from the Resident Evil franchise. Excellent. Uh, so thank uh, for joining us, D.C. Douglas. Yeah, baby! Woo! Hello! Hi, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people here. Hi, ten people. <laughs> for now. We also do the podcast, so we're going to... You know, oh, we're doing a podcast? By, and yeah. to the thousands yeah. listening yes. on the podcast. Thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the, let me correct that. We're the negative. Oh, yeah. The negative way. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're going the opposite way. <laughs> we yes. can barely get our Wait, wives your, to listen to Your podcast to kills people? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure we do somewhere in the world. I'm sure we are doing we're that. So, we're so uh, emotionally drawn when people are driving listening to us. It causes car accidents. Oh, <laughs> so we'll do like we did before. Uh, we'll get started and we'll take uh, questions from the audience and just give your name and say the question. Um, something I like to ask, and hopefully we get something very different than we got from uh, from our previous uh, uh, guest, Aaron. Um, how did you get started into the industry? I uh, found the most powerful person I could sleep with. That's kind of close to uh, it. <laughs> a form of nepotism, you know, but not really. I didn't see this answer going any other way. This is, right, exactly. this is gonna yes. be- Do you not know my brand? <laughs> Luckily for the podcast sake, we edit um, and post, but... <laughs> it's interesting, though. It's like, what do we what do we mean by when we say started in the biz? Exactly. Um, okay, so know? in other words, was this something that you always, uh, this ah, industry always aspired to do? And if it was, how did you go after it? Was right, it nepotism so, like our previous yeah. <laughs> uh, celebrity? Well, I was well. I started at seven, so no. Um, the uh, at seven years old, I realized I wanted to be an actor, and uh, it was um, was watching. Uh, uh, I was at home sick, I think that day, so I'm sitting on the couch in my underwear, and my mom and my sister were out at the store, and there was one of those movies that ends short. And back in the day of like regular network TV. Uh, during the day, it was local programming. They would always uh, have to fill in that empty spot so they could get up to the end of the hour. So they would put in these different kind of shorts and things. And in this particular one, they did Hollywood and the Stars, which was a uh, um, these little film shorts that were made in the '60s. And I'm watching this like in 1972 or three or whatever. I'm bad with math. Probably '73. Anyway. The uh, uh, yeah, so it was about special effects in the movies, and they were showing like these movies in the fifties, and then how like a guy shooting a gun at, at a at a car window, and they stop the frame, they stop the camera, put these little things on them, make it look like bullet holes, start the camera, stop it again, put another one, so then it goes. And it looks like they've just shot the the thing, and I'm like, there is a place where you can make believe. Like you could go, it's playtime and you get paid. I'm going to be an actor. So it's really kind of a bizarre way to say like, it was nothing about, oh, I can live the human story and all of that. It was more like special effects. Ooh. I don't know why I didn't go to special effects. It would have been easier, a lot easier. Um, so that was the beginning of it. But also partly around that same time in school, we um, sometimes we would do skits to try to uh, learn about a particular thing. And ours was, I think, about first aid or whatever. So I played a lamb a lamb or a sheep that was out on the farm and I get injured. And so they're supposed to bring me back and, 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 and and like bandage me up and all that. And I turned it into a whole character 
And I had the kids laughing through the entire thing. And then they take the bandage off and I did the whole screaming with the hair of my, for my fur coming out and like that. And there was a, there's a high that you get from having an effect on other people. And, uh, and so that was like around the same time. So, I mean, I just innately, I think I've been a performer and it also runs in my family. Um, my, uh, I've had a, my grandmother worked in burlesque. Um, my grandfather, uh, also worked in burlesque and my great grandfather was apparently in the circus. So, but like, so like entertainment, but not like the, uh, Lawrence Olivier path, more like the freak path. Um, and so I've continued that journey as a freak. Um, and, uh, so yes, I decided I want to be an actor and my mom was like, okay, well, whatever. And then when we were, uh, one day when I was in my early, I was like 11 or 12, she came home from work really upset because she couldn't stand her job and raising two kids on her own. And she said, you, you two are not going to end up where I've, I am right now. And you're going to, you need to figure out what your dreams are and you need to start pursuing them right now. Like, again, that's, you know, mother is transferring stuff. But uh, my sister's like, so she's, she's like, what do you want to be to my sister? who's a little older. And she's like, rock star. She's like, well, then you need to learn how to sing. So we'll get you singing classes. She's like, what about you? actor and I'm like yes actor so, well then we need to get you into acting classes and I ended up getting into a theater company called San Jose Children's Musical Theater so that started that real process and at that point I really started that I'm I'm going to be I never deterred that I'm going to be an actor but it started to get more real at that point um, but then I got horrible grades in high school so I couldn't go to Juilliard um, I did go to New York when I was 16 on my own for the first time ever and auditioned for RADA but I didn't get into that Royal, Dramat Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts it's in England and I did not get in because I was probably not a good actor um, and then, but then the, the default was, well, then I'm just going to go to LA and, um, and start there. But then I got sidetracked for a year because partly scared, partly, um, just, you know, I was law. I mean, I was 17 at that point living on my own and, um, it's a family friendly thing. So I'll skip the other stuff. Um, but then ultimately got my, my poop together and moved down to LA when I was 19 and, uh, um, um, looked up acting schools. And from there, I just was like learning one thing or the other. The voiceover was a complete accident on the side, um, from the, from the beginning when I went to LA. So I went and auditioned for all these acting classes and, um, and I didn't, you know, you didn't have the internet then. So you didn't know. It was only whatever is listed in the yellow in the, in the yellow pages. So um, I picked these what looked like good schools, and uh, so I went and auditioned for um, the Stella Adler Theater. I auditioned for um, oh, what's that one? He's no, I. It's really big, and all of a sudden I can't remember that. Anyway, but they didn't have financial aid, and it was like you're going to spend a year pretending you're an animal before you get to like the actual acting stuff. And I'm like, no financial aid, and I got to crawl on my knees. No, thank you. Um, but I ended up going into like this one guy was this guy named what was his name like Sal something or other the Star Maker, and he's like he lived in this decrepit house near the freeway, and I'm like his living room was a stage with lights. I'm like going, I'm not going here. Like I, I finished the audition, but at the time I'm like. I'm going here. And, you, and when you audition, you usually give a, a contemporary and a classical monologue. Um, and then I found this one place, Barbara Gill, and uh, she was down in Florence in a, a not a rough area of L.A., especially then. And I walk in there and I, and I do my first monologue. And she's like, that was really nice. She goes, I don't know why you're doing those for me. <laughs> and I'm like... Well, this is how I audition for acting. So she's like, I'm not an acting coach. She goes, well, I, it, uh, there is acting in voiceover, but I'm a voiceover coach. And I had no idea what that was. And so then she went and explained to me the, uh, uh, what, you know, how it's used in the industry and all that. And she goes, and you have a very nice voice and you should consider doing voiceover. And I'm like, no, thanks. Um, but like, nice meeting you. And I, and I left. I didn't say no, thanks. I said, I'll think about it, you know, because I'm 19 and anybody can sway me. Um, <laughs> but I ended up finding a, a Still Harmon Actors Workshop and they were the only one that had financial aid because I couldn't afford anything. My, my mom didn't have money. So uh, I decided to go there, but I had six months before my, my semester would start. So from there, I, uh, I called Barbara Gill back up and I said, well, she was like only like um, $60, I think. Uh, was it 60 a session or 60 for the month? I can't remember. It was like, it was like just enough that I could afford. And I'm like, well, I'll go ahead and take voiceover classes with you. So for six months I studied with her and I learned a lot of good technique, um, a lot of technical stuff. I learned that I could do some accents, not a lot. I'm not great at them, but I could do them. And, uh, but that was like the beginning of understanding it. And she would give me great advice about contracts and agents and stuff like that. But again, I didn't pursue it. I went and got into acting school, then started an improv group, was doing theater, was trying to, 
all of that stuff. And then one day I had a, a, a non-union commercial agent because I started going out on stuff, trying to go out on stuff. And she said, um, here's a 900 commercial. Okay, we used to have these things called 1-900 lines. You, have, you know them now? Okay. Yeah, this demographic has me now. Uh, all right. Well, they, so but they, had, they had these 900 lines. And so they needed like a commercial for a TV commercial. And so auditioned for that. And, um, and I went there and talked into the mics. I knew that I had some experience. And I booked it. Um, I started doing some voiceover things and then I got hooked up with a, a place that did trailers. I started doing tra trailers. I don't think I did really good work. Um, I've really come into my own in the last 15 years as far as voiceover or 20 years, I should say. God, time goes by. Um, so it was all accidental. Now with anime and voice and video games, that again was, um, because someone else didn't want to do something. It's amazing how, how many times that, that happens. So, for instance, I just did a Lifetime film in Connecticut for three weeks. I got the role. I auditioned for it, but I got it because Billy Zane dropped out. And then they... Uh, yeah. oh, side note, that's uh, funny. We just did a thing with Billy Zane. And uh, we're like, did you really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my And, and we're goodness. actually doing an episode about Billy Zane, so thank you so much for yes, that. Oh, that's why. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't don't tell him I took a... I, I, I <laughs> no, 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 no. No, actually, or thank him. Now, tell no, him yeah. I'm glad of he dropped course, out because yeah. it was a really fun of role. Of course. <laughs> but, I mean, we're like... A, sniper 8. No, we're com no, no, no. But we're completely different types, and I and the script was written more for his type, and so I tweaked it along the way and made it more like this crunchy, like um, you know, namaste kind of guy in this in this town. Um, so you really don't expect gotta, me to that's be the killer. Interesting. Is I got to tell you, uh, having a one on one with him and just you right now, very different energy. Like, he's like, <laughs> like you're laid back, but you're like, you know what I mean? Like you're yeah. you're, you're animated, you know, which I enjoy. Um, and he's more like very. You know, reserve, laid back, and you know, very kind of very calm, very so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, either you just had a bunch of coffee, or you know, there's just an energy level. Which, oh, I've seen some of but he has also that kind of very like kind of. He like yeah. he'll look at you deeply. Yes. And like, yes. and you're like, are you yes. looking at me deeply? Or are you about to nod off? I'm not sure which. Are you bored? Now, so so that had to be a role that was very differently. Uh, you know. Well, they yeah. I mean, it was that. he was supposed to be kind of like a cheesy salesman guy, and I turned him into more of like a cheesy like granola crunching guy. Um, but he turns out to be the killer at the end um spoiler spoilers wow. uh, but back to the, the, Don't so, give us the title so the video so again that's an example of somebody dropping out i got that i'm uh in 2000 um the guy who on buffy the vampire slayer who played the master uh lived out in like wyoming or something on a big ranch and they want so he wasn't going to come in to do a video game of the show and he didn't even like at that time like video games were not that big and so I got the job, came in, uh, voice matching him, essentially. And he literally sounds like Albert Wesker. Uh, it's like an early version of it. Um, did that game. So that was my very first video game. And then from there, I hooked up with a studio that had me come in. And I started doing these JRPG games. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I thought, like, throwaway. I didn't think it was important to anybody. I thought they were like throwaway jobs. So I didn't put a lot, I'm being really honest, I, I just didn't put that much into it until I discovered conventions. And then I'm like, why am I not in any animes? And I realized I did like an anime in like 1999 or whatever. And they called me to come back. And I'm like, that's a lot of work for very little money. No, thank you. So I didn't do any anime. And then all of a sudden conventions exploded. And I'm not in any of these animes. So I reached back out to everybody and go, I'm sorry, I had an ego. <laughs> I'd like to do anime, please. Um, and then I started, and now the ball's been rolling on that too. So, and then the the Resident Evil was just, I just got lucky. It was the place that I was going, I did all the JRPGs for. They called me in to audition to be a, a voice replace for Peter Jessup's version of Wesker and booked that, did that. And then a year later, they wanted me to do um, uh, Wesker again, but they wanted me to audition for the mocap part of it. And I had thrown my back out. So I went to the audition. I said, I can walk around and point a gun. And they go, that's fine. And then the Japanese guy, director, he's like, okay, you're going to. And then he goes, like, does these rolling stunts and things like that. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so I didn't get the mocap of that. But I did do the face mocap for it um, and the voice. But then I realized, oh, I'm in something huge. I had no idea. And then literally the next year, I got Legion of Mass Effect, another huge franchise. And from that point on, it's like. I had become a different tier of a voice actor. And all along, this has been a side gig. My main gig is doing on-camera work. That's where I, like, really, uh, my heart and soul is. But, you know, it's voiceover bought me a house. Voiceover has made me travel around, the, got me to travel around the world. Voiceover has brought me so much. And uh, so it is, I have to say that it's my main gig. My side gig now is doing on-camera work because it feeds my soul. I like acting with my eyes. So, yeah. And you get to do the make. But, I mean, mocap, I mean, I guess, because I know you just recently did a project that Billy got canceled that you were doing for mo motion capture. I'm really Sorry. sad yeah, about I'm, that. I, I, well, I hate to hear actually, that, but... I'll, 
here, uh, it, it, I don't want it, to. Well, here's the thing: get is, yourself is in trouble with information. They, well, no, but the, what it was is it was the mocap company was, had hired us for the game, oh, okay. and they said it, we think that it's been shelled because of COVID and budget reasons and all that. But I think it was between you and me and this podcast audience of negative five hundred, <laughs> um, is that I think that the mocap company didn't pass pass muster with the the game company, and so I think that that's how they let them down. And then we'll probably hear about it. I'll probably get rehired again down the line. Um, me and uh, Dame or Damon. Um, down the line. So, yeah. So, I just did that. I'm actually on another really big one right now. I'm so excited about it. It's not Resident Evil. And, uh, but it's... um a lot to say or... No, I'm not. I can say that. Can you say the genre, like no, because oh, wow. you can guess. But oh, I will say okay. that it's a big franchise, and oh, um, and it's a fun role, and uh, I'm excited to do that. See, so. It's impressive, especially with motion capture. We'll start taking uh, questions from the audience now. Uh, but it, that that actually does give you a lot of opportunity. I mean, I know it's different than the usual cameras, lights, or the theater, obviously, but it is acting out the part. Oh, well, yeah, I, vocally. I mean, you're that's really where getting into that's the where voiceover merges with the on yeah. camera, and yeah. that's what's. Uh, especially now because they are picking up what your eyes are doing. Um, it's also weird. It also brings in this third part of the theater, the stage, which is where I started. I did a lot of theater early on. Um, and, and so it's like you're doing theater in the round, which is, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's theaters that are, okay, so that's what the actors here. So it's where you basically are acting in almost 360 degrees. And so it's like you, so mocap is acting in, the, in theater in the round while always in a close-up. So it's, 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 it's very, so even when you think you're done, you're not done. You are on the entire time. No, I, I mean, it's impressive because if you see like uh, one of our favorite videos is like um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch when he's doing Smog and Lord of the Rings and it's, oh, yeah. it's the mocap and you see him like really get it and you usually don't get a window into that. That's yeah. what you're doing and enjoying it. Like, and that looks impressive. So when you were saying like when you were a kid and playing pretend like that's right. And you know, now they that. have it, which makes it more fun as kid stuff is I did, a, I actually did a mocap thing in Japan right during the pandemic hitting in March of last year. But they, and that was the first time I would seen this technology because I don't, I've not done a lot of mocap before. Then I did a mocap like five years ago in, or six years ago in San Francisco for NBA. Oh, it was longer than that because it's in the title NBA 2K14. So it was 2014. <laughs> I'm so bad with math. Um, but it was like I play this Uber Uber agent for this player. And that's when I got to the full experience of being theater in the round in a close-up. Um, but they the technology was like you could only see like little dots moving. Now, so in last March and then on this game I'm doing now, they – live rendering like a basic render of your character in proportion to the other characters on the stage so i can look at the screen and move around and i'm like this is how my character moves so like and the one that i did uh in march it's actually a cgi movie for a game and they're replacing our voices with other it, the whole game was really bizarre like they should have hired the original actors but they're like no we want you to do the bodies but we'll record you but then we're going to replace your voice Okay, thanks for the money. Um, but the but the thing was on it was uh, so you so you see like I'm I'm playing a portly kind of um, guy in this one scene, uh, and so I'm like trying to like walk it like this, and then they show the the character of it. I'm like going, oh, that's actually too much. I can actually just walk like this, and it looks just as normal. Like, like looking, it looking really, at yourself in the mirror, but the the. The CGI version of you. The CGI the version, mirror. right? Exactly. Now, the one I'm doing right now, I'm actually a huge character. I mean, stature-wise, he's very large. So it's interesting to so like me like moving fast and things like that does not work for that character because it's he's so big that it's going to take some more lumbering walks and things like that. And it's uh and that's kind of cool. The only thing that's weird is then I started going, well, if I'm really tall, should I be looking at his feet while I'm talking to him? <laughs> and they're like, no, they can move your eyes afterwards. Name and question. Hi, I'm Jessica. Hi. Hello. Um, I'm very interested in voice acting. I'm trying to sort of break into it freelance. But um, I've always been intrigued by uh, mocap just because of my like musical theater background and everything like that. I like adding the physicality to it and just seeing games like Detroit Become Human and just yeah. just how into the acting that you could get uh, is fascinating but i've never been able to find how you break into that um 
Like, is it's there the school? Thi- yeah, the <laughs> thing is, it's so weird when we say break into because I, first off, I guess it's good to go. Don't think break into. It's just a matter of opportunities finding those. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what kind of work is out here in Florida. I imagine you do have a lot of voiceover work out here um, because uh, yeah, 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 you've got some, I think. Some. Um, and but mocap wise, video game work was probably not here. Probably get some in like New, well, New York, Atlanta, but mainly like San Francisco and Los Angeles okay. um, or open. Uh, or, up, or up in Vancouver, um, so sometimes it's about proximity. So when you want to do just when you want to just do voiceover work, you can almost do it. Depending on the kind of career you can have, you can do it anywhere um, as long as you have a home studio set up and you hustle. You always have to hustle to find your work because nobody will ever. There's never a point where somebody goes. Welcome. You've made it. You broke in and now you sit here and we're just going to send all this work to you. It's never that. I mean, it's, and, I, and I'm, I've heard this from, you know, established actors that you would know. I won't say names just because um, they were like private conversations, but they're always one guy, super famous. And he just said, he said, the hustle never ends. Well, there's a great documentary about Joan Rivers um, uh, where she, uh, oh, I wish I could remember it, but I think hustles in the title, in fact. It's, if you look at this Joan Rivers documentary, and it's her late, late in life, and you see her still hustling, making the context, trying to get the gigs, all of that. And that's the thing is even when you do have high-powered people, you still have to be constantly trying to find that work. So as far as uh, – back to your question um, – the I mean, having an acting base is the most important thing. So if you're taking acting classes, fantastic. I'd also throw on their improv classes because that'll always help you in commercial work, especially because they always want like an extra little tag or something. You always want to think a little bit outside the box. Um, so then your audition stands out. The other thing is um, uh, singing classes are also really good. Yes. Now, if you want to get into mocap, um, th- because there are people that can do mocap all the time that aren't necessarily – because sometimes they'll hire the actor to do the face, voice, mocap, all of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they'll hire the bodies of the people they want to do the characters, but they'll get a face model to slap, slap the face on, and then they'll get a voice actor to throw the – or an even face cap them and, and throw the expressions and voice on it. So it's it's hard to say what, what they're doing. But if you have stunt work, um, the more that you can learn stunt stuff, then you're going to – mocap is going to love you then because they always want somebody who can be a utility player. You can do the main character, but then you can do all these other side characters, which are usually running with guns or doing a tumble and something like that or fight scenes and things like that. So that's what I would recommend. But then again, also, you will want to relocate because you're not going to probably find that work here in Miami. So, yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah, the, the more uh, – I guess the more animated you are, the more physical you are. Um, I mean, like Andy Serkis, example. I mean, he kind of like really cornered like the major of doing. Oh my like, gosh! Well, he's yeah, and and, and, the, and the apes. He'll and, be uh, in the encyclopedia right? I mean, about like, it. Yeah, 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 it's insane. But I, obviously, what you you know what he's saying about that, it makes sense. You want to get very physical because that's what it is. Getting you know very physical with the character, and usually when it's mocap, I guess exaggerating is in the game. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. Is is it used to be because of the technology you had to like really overemphasize all your gestures and things like that. But now it's like, it can pick up the subtleties of your body movement and stuff. Um, I mean, I just had an audition where they had me redo it and they said, yeah, make just more gestures. And it's like, that's a producer who doesn't know their technology, who thinks that they need to see that. And it's like, so you do it to please them. I mean, and especially like in video games and things like that, because in like in film, you know, in movies, usually it's a CGI character that is going to be a larger than life character. Well, there's that a, as a well. Lot of times, yeah. But when it's video games, a lot of the characters are background characters or they're human. They're just regular, just that yeah. you're digitizing them. Exactly. So you need it to look. And natural. they really do pick yeah, up the subtleties now, the, yeah. the, the body sway and all the individual components of your body. Now um, it was funny is when I did the face cap for Wesker and RE five, that was a new technology then for the face cap. And it was uh, these lasers, laser cameras that were in the studio, one 180 degrees on my face. So they said I couldn't gesture in front of my face. And with, when you do voiceover, you're, we're doing all sorts of weird things with our bodies to get the, we're like performing it out in a way that looks like we're having a little bit of a spaz attack. Um, but then now I can't, especially when you're doing fighting sounds, usually like, Ugh, ha, and you're doing stuff like that. And it's like, no, not in front of your face. So then you're down here going, ha, ha, and it doesn't feel the same. Um, and then he, they also said, uh, now, I don't, if you, those of you who know Albert Wesker, this is guy does not emote. There's no emotion. He's except very Vulcan. Disdain, <laughs> disdain is his only emotion. It's like an arrogance, really. You, 
So everything is like almost dead eyes and stuff. And they go, but really exaggerate your expression so that the computer can pick it up. And I'm like, so I'm supposed to sound like Albert Wesker while doing things with my face. And it's like that, like, you know, that's that's counterintuitive to what I'm doing. It was such a weird session. Sessions. Uh, Any more questions from the audience? Oh, there we go. Uh, you you come up to the you mic or yeah, yeah, he, he, he's got a, he's got a wireless he got you. Don't want to get that exercise in. <laughs> I see. Yeah. So uh, uh, you can go right now. Um, I am a diehard fan of the Persona franchise, and I'm wondering how did it feel to like get into the Persona franchise like as like Super Kamashita. Well, the oh, was Super Kamashita. We did it. That was the was that a anime. Uh, it was uh, Persona Five, I think. Like, oh, no, there is a there's a Super Kamashita, yeah, but I, oh. we didn't we didn't do the we didn't do the English voice for that. Oh yeah, Kamashita Man, Kamashita Man for Persona Q Two. Yeah, where he's like an actual hero or something, which is like, why would you take yeah. the pedophile and make him a hero? Um, <laughs> it was really weird. So here's the thing: is I didn't I knew of the Persona universe. In fact, I did another thing where I played a god, but it was like these cards. Like so, there's like. There's like a real basic like version of Persona, right? Yeah. And there's like spinoff or or parallel game franchise universe crossover, whatever. Yeah. So I knew of it, but I didn't really know. I didn't know that. I didn't think it was that big a thing. And I I love working for that company uh, that did uh, PCB Productions. Mm-hmm. And so they were. There was a period of time where they were having me in a lot for different things. Not lately. Um, but I don't know. Right now, these days, it's like, is it because of the pandemic? Or do you not love me anymore? <laughs> um, so I need to reach out. Uh, but uh, so she was like fun because she would get me. So Persona 4 Dancing All Night was the first Persona I did. And she calls me in for this thing. And uh, that's when I first learned about Persona. I'm like going, I asked a friend, I goes, Persona big? And she's like, oh, my friend goes, yeah, it's very big. I'm like, well, that's cool. And I go, so I'm, I'm thinking what kind of like villain will I play? And I walk in and, and, and Valerie's like, I didn't even audition for this role. She's like, I picked this one especially for you. Because I think you're going to have fun with it. And it turns out, for those of you who don't know, I play the dance instructor. I'm like, oh, my God, you're here. You look so lovely. Oh, oh, my loins, stop it. Um, so it's like way out there. It's like definitely not going to get a GLAAD award. Um, and, uh, uh, and so it was hysterical. It's such a fun thing. So then she then says, then they cast me again without me auditioning uh, for Persona 5. And I come in to do that role and they give me a little bit of the background and all, but they don't tell me anything else about him until I get to that scene about the, where he's confronted by the other students and it's like, she's in the hospital and all. And I start saying the lines. And then at the end of the thing, I go, wait, 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 did, did, did he? And they're all behind the glass. They're looking at me and he's like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you mean he's a, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then from there it gets crazy. Cause then we started doing the castle stuff. So yeah. Thank you for your question. It felt great. It felt great. You got a follow-up? Uh, what do you have to say about the Phantom Thieves? Uh, uh, do I have like a line I'm supposed to say to that? Anything, anything if you want. It's like, they're mediocre peasants. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Anybody else have a question? Hold on. One, one second. I'm trying to be hygienic and safe. There you go. Very, very important. There you go. Free for oh. your spit. <laughs> So uh, what's your thoughts on playing Yoshikage Kira and uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? I really do play horrible people. Um, <laughs> this is a very reflective Q&A. <laughs> yes. Uh, I will say that that's the first time. So I that was part of my journey of getting back into anime is I'd reached out, uh, reached out to Bang Zoom and a couple other places. And I said, you know, I'd open to doing anime again. And... Um, and uh, mommy, uh, who who run, does the casting there, um, first I said, I hope uh, here's what I've done. I'm what I'm known for, and all. And she's like, Oh, I know you. She goes, Yes, I'll have you in. And I'm like, Cool. And then it was auditions for guard number one, things like that, and having me come in. So, and I'm like, Okay, I'll I'll do this for a while because I think this is her just seeing how I work with everybody, and maybe just pay your dues. And it was. And then out of the blue, I auditioned for that one. And that scene, and I knew nothing of the show. I just did that scene that gave the video all the way to the end where he reveals he's talking to a hand. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what this is, but I want to do this. <laughs> and so I wrote in the email, I go, I really hope I get this part because this looks amazing. And then I got it. And, you know, she sets the voice in that first session. 
And she's like, have fun. And I'm like, oh my. And like I Googled it when I got my book to roll and I Googled the name. And I'm like, there are dolls for him. And I'm like, this is going to be big. <laughs> so I was super excited to get it. It was, I was honored and happy. And since then, she's got, now I'm on a show called Welcome to Demon School of Rumacoon. Um, and again, that's Bang Zoom. So I'm super, they've, she's been really good to me. And that gig I did in Japan was also through her. So, um, or Bang Zoom. So I'm, Really grateful, but that yeah, you know, I'm honored that he's one of my. I now have three favorite anime characters that I've done that I I wish were everyone else's favorites. But Yoshikage Kira is definitely my first one, and I mean just great because of the monologues he has. And doing that in ADR is really difficult because you can only take certain chunks, and you got to. And we really, I know there's weebs out there, whatever. Uh, but if you really look at the Japanese uh, ADR, they don't care about the flaps. They just kind of blah 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 blah. Like like they hit the mouth stop, but they don't care. Um, we're when we do when we we do it, we try to match as much flaps as we can, but we always start and end within theirs. And uh, so when you're doing monologues, that's real technical work because you're trying to fit the theme, fit the, the space, fit the flaps, yet perform it like you're that character. Um, and then you're only doing it in little chunks. And then we go back and play the entire monologue and like, does it flow? And I was like, that's when I want, we play it back and I went, I'm good. <laughs> it was the first time I really thought I was good at anime or in ADR as well. And uh, so anyway, so I'm, that is one of my favorite characters. The second one now is uh, uh, Caligo Nabarius on Welcome to, De anyone watching De Welcome to Demon School? Are you? Don't be ashamed about it. <laughs> Do you like it? Oh, cool. I just did a really special episode for my character that is um, hysterical. Um, a lot, it was a lot of work, uh, but it's coming up for this, in this season. Um, so, yeah, so that's my second one that I'm really proud of doing. And then my third one, anyone watching the new Shaman King? Nope. Oh, you are? Yeah. So, well, then you got to watch Shaman King. I, that is now my third favorite character that I've ever done. I play, uh, uh, Sean Schemmel didn't want to do it. So they, they uh, I auditioned, or no, I didn't, they just cast me. Um, they cast me in that based off of Backstreet Girls, which is a whole problematic show. <laughs> do you guys know that show? I, it's like, people shake their head, no. I your Are you saying, no, you know, you don't know it or like, don't talk about it. <laughs> Oh, okay. Because it's it's a problematic show, but I'm still I still had a blast doing it. But he heard like the director heard my 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 take on that, and he's like, "You wanted me for Ryu in Shaman King," and uh, and I said, I listened to Sean's version. I'm like, I don't. First off, I'm not good at Spanish accents. Secondly, I feel like you should have a Hispanic person do this uh, or a Latin person. I don't know what the proper thing is, but it's like I just in these day and age, I'm like I don't want to screw around with that. Really, try not to swear, guys. Um, <laughs> And uh, and they said no, you can you can voice print him your way, and I'm like, oh. and I looked at that character, and I'm like, he's an he's a bad Elvis impersonator by the way he looks and dresses. So my Ryu is, you want to come to my special place, my happy place, <laughs> and so um, I'm having a bl I'm having a blast doing that character. And apparently there's a buttload of episodes coming down the pike, so I'm excited about that. Yeah. So did you get to my role in that in Ryu in Shaman King? No, but the 2021 version. Oh, you haven't? So what about you? You said you'd seen it, but you have in the back. Oh, you have? <laughs> I'm done. He's trying to learn another language. <laughs> Switch to English and listen to my version of it. It's really a fun. Oh, okay. Yeah, it just dropped on Netflix in English. So 2020. He's a crunch, yeah. he's a crunchy roll guy back there. Oh, uh, all right. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for your question. Any other questions from the audience for the moment? Oh, we got a few. So let's go. Let's start with the uh, front row, and then we'll work our way back. To um, earlier, you said how this was effective, and everyone else is talking about video games and animes, but isn't it frightening how at every single second there's numerous black holes expanding, nearing the Earth? Well, isn't all of this, like, why are we even existing? What is existence? Why do we, you know, people always worry about uh, global warming, and it's only because they're worried about the human species surviving, but we don't need to survive. The Earth doesn't need us. <laughs> Literally, the Earth can shake all of this off in another million years, so... Uh, your piece over uh, here in the middle, and then uh, our, our general. Oh, yeah, him first, and then we'll come to you. Hi. So 
Um, if you could redo any of the characters in your own image, <laughs> which one would it be? You're an asshole. Oops, sorry. <laughs> in a very uh, compliment way. In a, like, I mean, a, I mean, like a real nice like, one, yeah, like, like bleached like, and everything. Like so. he loves that question very much. <laughs> uh, but um, overall, what do you think about eggs? If, if in the mind of Wesker. Oh, wait, you totally switched tracks there. Two questions. Oh, wait. So the first one was, if I could go back and redo any character. Any character in the way that would, you would want to do it as. Oh, okay. And then what does Wesker think and about the eggs? The second question was, what do you think about eggs with Wesker? <laughs> Personally, I like to eat my Wesker straight up. I don't know. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't really translate to a, a joke that made sense, but um, I did it anyway. So use that recording. No, um, <laughs> uh, it's I, I, that whole egg thing is so hysterical. So again, I still there's like things in that whole in the the I just finished your hat. There are things in the Resident Evil universe that just I don't understand. What I've, I've been playing the games lately, and finally like learning all these things that people have referred to for the last ten years. And I'm like barrels. Why are we obsessed with barrels? And um, but yeah, the egg thing is like the weirdest thing of all. There's like nowhere in there do they. Do, it's not like you go to like a special diary. And it's like, and I found that the eggs are very helpful when you're protect. Like you don't even have that. It's like literally you're just supposed to know out of the blue eggs are good. Um, so uh, yeah. Um, and then as far as if I could redo any character from the beginning, uh, my own way. Well, I mean, here's the thing. It's like I wouldn't. It would. It would have been. Yeah. I would have loved to have been the only voice for Albert Wesker. Um, but in 1996, I would have been too young. Well, no, I could probably would have been age appropriate to have done him then. Um, but I don't think that I would have made such an interesting voice. Um, I think that the a voice print that um, Richard Waugh did and then Peter Jessup expanded on a little bit. Um, and then Waugh came back and did a little more. And then I – so I've had to like incorporate both their impersonations into – what has now evolved into my own thing. So I think um, Peter Jessup was more like this. And um, Richard Wall had a bit of an accent when he did his. Uh, but the guy's from Ohio. <laughs> Albert Wesker's from Ohio. So, but so, so, and I've just learned to just clench down and that's kind of like how I get through it quickly. And I've done so much fan service with it that I don't even recall how I, so the way I said Umbrella Chronicles is weird. So, but I, when I do Albert Wesker, this is how I do him now. And I, I put a lot more texture into his voice, a little more breathing. Uh, and uh, that's how I do him. But it will be fascinating. Oh, see, I'm doing a whole different voice. But what will be talking to my voice. So it will be fascinating. This <laughs> <laughs> is how to shake it off. This is he gets a hold of me and I can't let go. Um, is, uh, you know, they're doing, the, they're working their way through the remakes. So, um, and I know right now that they still like me. So if we get to RE5 for the remake, um, it'll be, uh, they're doing it way more cinematic now with like very, the acting in these remakes are really good. And I'll be so excited to go back and that, to do him again, but to do him as a real person who's got a, a, a problem. <laughs> Very big problem. Well, And ne so. the, uh, Netflix, I know, has a, a newer Resident Evil animation. I don't know if they'll start going that route into that story. Yeah, like, it's uh, weird the because future. they're they're so uh, split with, like, they, they license it out to other companies. So it's like, then they they may not even care that I do Wesker. Or they might. It, it all it, It's hard to say, but I don't think Wesker's going to show up in the animation that they're doing. Or they, did, they already did it, the CGI when he's not in. Yeah. 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 So they, he, they may or may not bring him in. They know. Thank you for your question. But I love I love the uh, live action one, the uh, yes, Lance I mean, Reddick. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, obviously, I don't think they would have had you voiceover. Uh, no, the but the actor they made they, him look they, exactly. But like that, that actor that they cast, yeah. um, he's so good at evil, and I just love that they completely flipped it on everybody. And like having fans going, but no, but Albert Wesker's a white guy from like what? He's fictional. And I go, is there anything about his ethnicity that says that he has to be like that? Is that it's tied to the plot? No. So get over yourself. It's all make-believe. <laughs> I mean, Lance Reddick is freaking awesome. I'm excited to see it. Though the premise of the fact that he has daughters and it's going to be like yeah. some sort of leave it to beaver thing is so bizarre. Yeah, storyline of it. So, uh, your question. All right. So in RPGs like Mass Effect, a lot of the game gets redeveloped over time. So how much of those lines that you do in a voice acting get like, scrapped? Uh, you know, that's interesting, actually. You know, it's funny is I when I, I I recall auditioning for the part of Legion and they gave us a, a monologue that was supposed to be like a, a set at a funeral or memorial. And they said we wanted to. So he's a robot, but he does have emotions. 
that's how they describe it. So somewhere in there. So I did that audition, all that, and I got the role, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then years later, I wanted to find the audition to post it online to share with people. And I stumbled onto these other things for Legion. And I'm like, apparently a year before that, I auditioned for him and I didn't know it. And it's all this dialogue that apparently is in the game, but it's another character says it now. Um, so it's interesting to see like what their development, how it went from that and split off and he became an, uh, another thing. But there is, from what I understand, there's a, some uh, cheat codes or whatever in the first, in the Mass Effect 2 that you can get into and you can have Legion on your, your squad earlier. And then you'll get all this additional dialogue that you don't get when you just play the game normally. Um, so there is hidden dialogue in there. But when they, uh, but in recording of it, it's like if there, we never had to go over and redo a scene, there might be additional scene work that we were given. That was, that took place, I think, over a year. Um, so yeah, so I didn't get a lot. Mark Mir probably has a better idea because I know that he, you know, he and Jennifer, um, Jen, uh, I'm having a brain fart right now. I really like, am I not doing well with traveling? Jennifer Hale. Uh, those two, because the playing Shepherd Commander. Sorry, it's like, I can't help it. I can't help myself. Playing Shepherd Commander. Um, the, uh, they would know about, like, if they had to go over and redo scenes for the development process. But I never did for, for Legion. And when they did the, the, uh, the, this new Legendary Edition, it was not called in for any additional lines. So, and I was really upset when they did the whole, like, everyone, like, partied on the, that little DLC they did when it was like a part. Yeah. Legion's not on the Citadel. I was very upset with that. And you can't romance him either. <laughs> I, why do they do this to make her? But they give me the pedophile and the serial killer. <laughs> no, usually in most games you don't. Uh, video games you'll usually record alone. Sometimes you'll have the, they'll have the recording of the other person's session. And to give you more of a, a, an acting uh, boost, they'll play their responses so you can have a little more uh, nuance. But no, you never record together or anything. I mean, in, in cartoons, um, in uh, uh, original cartoons in, in the U.S., yes, we can record together with the other group's people. Sometimes they try to get everybody together, but usually it's just like a, a few people. Um, every now and then, it can, it'll just be you. Like I, uh, DC Superhero Girls, I right? do Deathstroke. Deathstroke. That, I recorded all alone for that. But for pickups, I came back with another actress and we did ours together. So it's all dependent on different factors. But in voiceover or in the video games, it's usually just you alone. Yeah. Thank, thank you for your question. Uh, anybody else? Question, 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 question. Okay, well, I got one. Um, All so right. Keep it going. Um, so you've done a lot of roles, and uh, obviously you, you sidetrack or doing a voice. What is um, like a role right now that, you know, well, maybe not now, but maybe overall that you really want to get or type of role? That that you're really pursuing. You that's your. You mean in voiceover? And either. Okay, and, so and like screen, in voiceover. I know you prefer uh, obviously screen. So what is that yeah. role that you really feel you you can you can do and you haven't gotten yet that you like to get? Oh, you see, but that's the thing. Well, I haven't, you know I haven't gotten mean? anything in my on camera career. <laughs> um, no, the, the well, for voiceover, it's like you hear about like like all these the, the these main villains and DC superheroes and all of that. The problem is, is I don't think I'm worthy of doing those characters because I don't. I'm not. I, I'm not a fan. No offense. I'm, I'm not really a fan of much in life except life. Um, the, uh, but I don't, so I don't know the canon. I don't know all the, so I never would feel like I was doing the character justice to the fandom, for the fandom. There are voice actors that know, rock and roll. There are, um, there are voice actors that like know these, the, the, these different um, uh, universes yeah. and characters and stuff. And so they can bring so much more depth to it. Um, but I still would like to get one of those roles as well because I'd like the popularity of it. Yeah, I mean, acting's uh, acting. And, and you've yeah. seen a lot of roles. They, they, you know, like, just an example off the top of my head, like an Umbrella Academy. I mean, you have like number five, the youngest actor, and he, he's 15 when he got the role. Obviously, he couldn't have been much of a fan yet. So he picked up the books, he read for the character. Yeah. So you might feel like you fit a specific role um, and even if you're not a long time, you become a fan of it yeah. for the favor of the Well, you know, part of the thing is, is like justice. in preparation for RE5, assuming that they get to the remake and they still cast me, I've been the, playing these games has been part, part of that has been me wanting to get a little kind of like background on all of this so that I feel even well more informed if, if I ever get a big chance to do Wesker again like that. But as far as, um, so that's like voiceover stuff. I really would just like a cartoon and get those residuals. Um, I just got a residual check for the Rocketeer. I was like, oh my Congrats. God, thank you. Yes. You get, like you get Mana for, uh, from Heaven. What is that, Ultraman? Uh, 
Uh, that's non-union, oh, so there's oh. no residuals for that. That, by the way, can we just talk about, that's one of my most impressive voiceover jobs that I've done that nobody knows. So Ultraman, I play Ito, and uh, the, in the Japanese version of that, they take his voice and they ramp it up and down as he talks. And it's really cool. So they send me the voice match thing, and I'm like going, so you guys are going to ramp it up and down. I just need to pick a thing and do that. And he's like, they actually don't want to ramp it up and down. They want you to do that. In voice. So it's natural. <laughs> but I'm also like, well, you did with the Japanese guy, but then with me, I got to freaking work you like You get this. the extra challenge. Like, oh, my God, it was a challenge. Because so the character, he goes, I want you. Wait. <clears throat> I want you to be the next Ultraman. You will rise to the occasion and we will find our way there. But like, I have to really concentrate just to like do that. And then on top of that, you have to like, have an intonation that makes sense for the line as well. It's like a weird alien speak. And um, I'm freaking awesome in it. So anyway, that's on Netflix too. You should check yeah, it out. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously preparation for this, IMVB, it's a great app. <laughs> and, and man, that's a lot. You, you but but on camera stuff, about. it's yeah. like, I really like, um, I, I grew my hair out and all that. So I'm really trying to gather a lot of more character roles. So, but some, and it's, but I'm not as... Like, I, I need to gain weight for a lot of those kinds of roles. And I'm like, I don't want to gain. I still want to stay in shape. So um, I'm, I'm limiting myself in certain character stuff. But like this one I just did in, in Connecticut, you know, that was wild to play. Who's like a seemingly nice, you know, conflict resolution guy, uh, businessman with a son. And who's, have, who's, you know, dating an older woman who's uh, played by an amazing Laura Pope. And uh, Poe, Laura Poe. And... Um, and then all of a sudden, as his plans start to fall apart, and you start to wonder, is is he the killer? And like my hair, so my hair is in a tight bun through the whole movie. But then as it starts to fall apart, little strands of hair come out, and then all of a sudden, I've got like half my hair is out of my bun. What's going on? And then in the end scene, I'm like, I just take it off, and my hair is down and stringy, and I'm like, you gotta die. <laughs> like that's a fun role. So I enjoy fun journeys like that. So I wouldn't. I don't have like preconceived like this is what I need now. I mean, I'm 55. I'm like I. Just like work and I'll take work until I can get it. When it stops, I'm going to retire somewhere down here. <laughs> no, and, and, and the beauty is as you do more of the, the voiceover stuff, I mean, you're super friendly, super engaging. Um, you don't see me in the green room. They, they, oh. <laughs> yeah, they hate me back there. Oh, seriously. <laughs> but I mean, I did, the conventions are a huge thing. I mean, Florida alone, we do like, like oh my gosh, you guys do so much. Other weekend. There's, yeah. there's three this weekend in, in different parts of Florida. That's wild. Happening at the same time, you know. Including but this was the one I wanted to be at. And we appreciate that. There's, again, there's other, there's other big ones we appreciate really you know, really appreciate here with us uh, any other questions so before we start wrapping up um come over we have two so we'll go with him and then we'll end with where we started <laughs> oh thank you uh was there ever a uh, a line that you did that you got stuck in your head and you found yourself like quoting it day to day i would need therapy if that happened <laughs> that'd be really weird day to <laughs> I'm trying to think of some of the lines i have no it'd be weird every day i'm walking around going mediocre peasant <laughs> Side note: Did you notice the socks? Are those umbrella? Nice. Oh, nice. Very <laughs> I will nice. say this: What does drive me nuts is that. Oh, I didn't post it. Shoot, did it save? Um, let me just see if it saved here. And uh, so this happens a lot to me. Um, oh, did it? It didn't save. Poo. So I got a text. Oh, yes, it did. Right here, it is. Your, so I'm at this hotel where I've got the car, car was in the valet. So I te you text them to get it out and then they text you when it's ready. And they go, your car will be ready in approximately seven minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I got to post that for the Resident Evil fans. <laughs> so that's like every time it's seven minutes. Like, and I'll like, I'll be going to tell somebody. Now I have to know, I'm telling a friend that I'm like, I'll be there in seven minutes. And if the, I have to remember if they're, did I, are they friends that I've met through conventions? Or are they regular friends that I've known outside of it or before then? Because those guys, I can go, I'll be there in seven minutes. But those guys, I have to go, I'll be there in eight minutes or I'll be there in six minutes. I can't do seven because they won't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the shtick. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you for your question. And uh, uh, Yopi's right here. So we're, we're ending where we started. Thank you. So Kamishita is obviously a very, very well-known role. So um, I was wondering, what was your personal experience with the fan reception and reaction to that when it came out? <laughs> well, yeah, well, like I was saying to them, it was, I, I, it was, it was, I mean, it was great. Well, first off, I didn't think that he was going to be that big of a character from the game. Um, and then somebody said, well, he's the first boss, so he'll have the first impact on everybody. Um, so it was, 
yes, it was great. I'm like, everyone's tweeting at me back when I had Twitter before I got banned for going after freaking nut job QAnon. Anyway, um, but they're like, so they were getting all these like things from fans. I'm like, this is great. And then they're like going, oh, I just love Kamoshida. And I'm like, now I'm like, I'm confused. <laughs> Kamoshida is not a lovable. Even at the end when he asks forgiveness, it's like, no, you're a sick. Um, and... Uh, so, so I don't quite understand. That's actually when I started to really wonder about, like, with Albert Wesker and like Megalomaniac, and I go, okay, I can kind of see it or whatever, badass and things like that. But then with the Kamoshida, I'm like going, okay, there's a weird quirk in the fandom <laughs> that where you guys really like disturbing people that need to be imprisoned. So, um, yeah, so so I'm like kind of you know, a little back and forth on him, but it is always nice that that you do a game that that a lot of people like. I don't like. Like if people said, thank you for doing Kamashita because it allowed me to get my frustrations out against this person who abused me when I was young. And I'd be like, wow, that's great that my art is out there and helping people heal and process and all that. But that's not what's coming back. It's more like, <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about you know, it would be kind of dangerous to date Kamashita. And I'm like, no, that's not the impact I want to have on the community. <laughs> not the reaction you get. <laughs> thank you so much for your question. Well, we're going to start wrapping up. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, DC, thank you so much. I got to plug, a plug, a plug on, do my it, do Instagram, it. at MRD. DC Douglas at Mr. DC Douglas. Please follow me there. Yes. And um, if you're a Resident Evil fan, please check out. We have a there's a, a thing that started because of, I've been streaming the games. It's called ResidentDoors.com, and it's a Discord. Go there. It's a really fun community. It's we're up at 500 members right now. Um, and so sometimes I'll go pop in there. We'll do stuff just for the Discord. Um, yeah, and so they're just a really cool community of people. So Excellent. yeah, oh, we'll get on that. We have we finally have a Discord thing. So yeah, we, we have like. And get on just that. us three. Yeah, yeah so it's great. <laughs> well, if you keep killing so your get, listeners, we can it's add like onto you're you, never going to more. <laughs> we'll just kind of leech, not leech, like you know that fish that's on the bottom of sharks at the aquarium. Yeah. It's just kind of like be my you know, barnacle. So, so yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so thank you so much. And he's still around for a little bit. You catch him at his oh, table doing, around. I'm doing a uh, signing. At what? I'm confused. It's oh, all of a sudden early. Not right. I'm going to 3.30, so it's going to be Yeah, so in a half hour or 40 minutes, I'll be doing a signing again. Uh, I think that's the last event I have of the day, so if you want, come on by. So thank you, everybody, and uh, thank you to DC Doug. Let's give him a hand. All right, that's it. That'll do it. That was uh, this year's Q&A session with uh, DC Douglas, voice actor and actor. And um, all right, I'm just going to jump into this. Ready? Here we go. So you can contact us at contactfancorrect at gmail.com. You can leave us an email. We'll get back to you as soon as possible. Um, you can also check us out on our website, fanaticallycorrect.com. And basically, just go to our link tree, man. You go to our link tree. Everything's there. All the links are there. L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash fan correct. There you'll have all the links to our, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and please review us on Apple Podcasts. That would be a huge help. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, we got it all. And that's it. Oh, and if you also want to give us a call at 786-704-8404, remember, we don't, we're a broadcast. We can't pay for anything. International charges, that's all new. Um, is 1-800-COLLECT still a thing? Uh, check out the old commercials. Maybe that's still around. I don't know. This is MSK. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode of the Q&A of DC Douglas. Thank you, DC Douglas. And uh, we'll catch you guys later. Peace out. And there you have it, folks. This has been Fanatically Correct. Until next time, you crazy kids. Signing off. Please. <laughs> listen to us. I'm talking to you. Yeah, you. Please listen. <laughs>